Kia ora, I'm Jane. And I'm Sophie. Welcome to A TARDIS of One's Own. A queer feminist journey through time and space and new who. Welcome to another edition of Who After Dark. Yeah. Still. Still winter. Still. Oh. June, July, August. Yeah, it's actually winter. First of winter today. Oh, yeah. <gasps> First of the month. Because that's how we measure seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, it means we're approaching the solstice quite rapidly, which is yeah. great. I don't like that it's dark at 7.30 in the morning. No, that's bad. Also, I don't mind a darker evening, but I don't like going out of the house and then being in fear. <laughs> like, because I walk to my car and my street is very, like, not that well lit. Mm. So I'm like, oh, check behind me. Like, can I see someone lurking? As you know, and I'm yeah, like, the, so if you're not that exceptional, no one's gonna mug, be waiting to mug you specifically. It's just waiting but, in the dark at seven a.m. No, to but, rob someone. And also in the evening too. Like, I came here, I left my house at like eight twenty, no, six twenty <laughs> p.m. And it's still it's fucking pitch black. It so is, I'm like, yeah. oh, and then oh, just oh, run to my car, quick, shut the door, lock the doors. Oh, paranoia. I know paranoia, but only paranoia if nothing happens yeah right and then if i if i'm less paranoid and then i get mugged then you know you'll feel guilty and you'll get victim blamed no well yeah no not that it's like oh you know i could have avoided that if i'd been more cautious and i'm like i don't want to be cautious i want the muggers and rapers to go away but (laughs) (laughs) vote for south this is her political party (laughs) yeah anyway fuck that's taking a turn how are you mate (laughs) Uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm very busy. I'm going away in like 11 days. And I've got a lot to do before then. So I actually have to get my shit together. But no, it's good. It's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> How are you? Oh, I'm good. Just to just to engage with you there, mate. You have told me multiple times that you are focused by a deadline. Yeah. So it's true. This. Yeah. I love a deadline. Otherwise, I'm just floating about. Yeah. Not caring. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if only I was a different person, but here we are. <laughs> How are you? I'm good, I'm good, thank you. I'm, yeah, I'm a bit tired, looking forward to the long weekend. Mm. We've got a long weekend here. I'm flying to see a family, which will be lovely, but also I'm such a homebody. And sometimes you're just like, oh, I would just like the long weekend just at my house. Yeah. But but it's good, you know, it'll be nice to see them, etc, etc. And I'm coming back, not at the very last moment of the long weekend, with a bit of buffer. So, yeah, perfect. Yeah, that'll yeah. be nice. It's nice to have some time to settle back in and get into ready for the week. Yeah, yeah. Do laundry. And also yeah. short week, which is delightful. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah. And still work from home at least one day. So yeah. yeah, that's good. That's a good point. Good reframe. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And you're still hell next week as well. So yes. I won't be, you know, crying I... in the cupboard uh, <laughs> just yet. The crying cupboard. Yeah. The actual designated. And we're soon to get communal blankets in the office, apparently. <laughs> so so I'll be retiring to the crying cupboard Avec blanket. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I still think we need to attempt recording our podcast in there one yeah, time. Yeah, I think it would work. I think we might just get a bit hot. There's no air con. That's true. Better Slash also natural light. Well, for some reason you went in the office today, but the uh, heaters weren't on in the office, so it was <gasps> quite chilly in there. Oh, because it's always been, it's been very hot. It has always been hot. I've been which is why the underdressing. blankets have been so confusing. Yeah, well, it's just one person, and the one person happens to be in charge of the credit card. <laughs> so, like, their whims are... How convenient. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So overall, pretty good. Woo. Fair to middling slash better. So we love that. We yeah. love an upturn yeah. in events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I'm gonna think. Yeah, I've been busy too, but mainly. 
because I've been hanging out with you. So like you're busy because you have other stuff plus the things we do. And then I'm busy just because I'm doing the things that we do because... Got to fill up your calendar with all of my things before I go. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I said, I'm accruing (laughs) an excess of gen time. It doesn't feel like an excess. (laughs) If anything, I'm perhaps... This is bad because you're getting used to a certain level of attention. I should have been weaning you off. Oh, fuck. Oh god. Maybe I just won't talk to you next week. No, don't. You already told me at that time I was sick and I came back to work and you were like, I feel like our friendship relies on like wasting each other because otherwise we might not be friends anymore. And then I was like, you're about to go away for a month, Jen. <laughs> it's like our friendship can't be sustained by this absence. No, no. I have two friends if you're not allowed to count a partner. I Which can't you're lose not. 50% of friends. <laughs> And the other friend is only kind of a work friend. I know you don't like work friend. I don't like work friend either. But our friendship only exists within the office. Yeah, in the work so, space. Yeah. Yet to transcend outside of Yeah, the I mean, office. never will. And that's okay. I think maybe mm. I'm his friend at work. But on outside of work, he has better friends. And that's cool. Like cooler friends. In our previous group chat, right? We were always like, will this sustain when these people leave the building? And yeah. no. Yep. The group chat did not survive. No, it didn't. The group chat didn't survive. I mean, one of the friends we used to work with literally has moved 12,000 miles away. (laughs) So that's not our fault. No, and I still talk to her. Yeah, you do. I do a little bit. I just find it weird, the long distance friend thing. Oh, yeah. I find the dynamic odd. Well, not odd. I find it difficult. It makes me sad. So then I just avoid the feelings. Yeah. Because I'm like, I miss you more. It's easier to go cold turkey and then you just go over it. Wow. Eventually. (laughs) Harsh. I know. I did this to a friend group who moved back to the UK a few years ago. And then I got feedback from them that they were like, you know, you don't stay in touch. And I was like, guys, like if we're in the same place again, happy to rekindle. I love you very much. But it's too painful for me to like have a long distance eked out relationship. So we're done. Good to know that about yourself. Yeah. You know, know your boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you want to do our episode summary? I would love to. Thank you. So in the double episodes of Human Nature and Family of Blood, we find ourselves in 1913 as Martha watches over the doctor as he lives as a human in order to hide from a family of aliens who want to steal his life force. The doctor and Martha must deal with the repercussions of his decision to become human as the family of blood unveil themselves. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. Dramatic. So just a little bit of background on this episode. It was written yes. by Paul Cornell, who previously did Father's Day, that Rose episode. Oh, the time travel. Yep. And it is loosely adapted from a novel he wrote for the seventh Doctor back when Doctor Who was on that hiatus and they didn't have any new episodes, right? So they didn't yeah. know the show was ever going to come back. Doctor Who has this massive canon of off-screen adventures, books, audio dramas, things mm. like that, where the fandom sort of perpetuated. And so this was one of those that was written for the Seventh Doctor. Quite similar to Dalek, which was an audio drama that was adapted. Yeah. So yeah, Russell T. Davis tapped Paul to write this for this season. So yeah. That is really interesting background knowledge, thank you. Mm. And I think that actually goes a long way to informing my feelings about this episode, which headlines were really enjoyed yeah Uh, it feels really put together it feels cohesive it feels like a proper i mean the double so it's feature length basically yeah and that makes sense if it's come from a book because someone's done the someone's done the work like over a period of time they've then come back to it to make a screenplay from Mm -hmm. it and like it feels more i don't know there's depth there's robustness it definitely has cohesiveness you're right and i think you know your criticism from previous two-parters have often been that they don't feel like they need to be two-parters mm. there's a lot of rehashing there's a lot of time filling whereas yeah. with this one i think it's yeah when it's split in the middle it's like oh okay it's like an intermission yeah, rather yeah, yeah. than yeah wasting time yeah exactly so okay first up big tell test yes 
whoop, whoop. The maids. The maids have chat. Other things. Yeah. 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 The, I mean, the nurse and the Martha have a chat about being a doctor, but mostly yeah. they talk about the doctor. The doctor, yeah. I think at one point <laughs> the, the family mother shaped thing and the family daughter shaped thing talk. Creepy balloon girl. Yeah, creepy balloon girl. Would you like to? talk about your topic that you picked yeah so my topic is probably a bit on the nose considering the title of this episode it is called you know human nature slash family of blood and i wanted to talk about human nature particularly in the sense that people will talk about something being in someone's nature or being in their nature as an excuse Mm -hmm. for bad behavior a lot of the time but also in the way that people use it to say well that's not natural or that's just a natural thing and i was thinking especially the quote unquote it's not natural Mm. in terms of a feminist queer lens is really interesting, of course, because I think this has been used as an excuse for racism and bigotry for as long as there have been people, basically, Mm -hmm. you know, interracial relationships. They're not natural. Mm. Queer relationships. They're not natural. Yeah. Now, you know, not wanting children. The choices that women make. It's just not natural. You should naturally want to be in the kitchen popping out babies. Mm. I think it's also used often for like eugenics and race science. It's mm-hmm. like a little get out of jail free kind of thing. Well, that's just that's just natural, you know? It's human nature, yeah. Definitely a thing, you know, that I heard in my very complicated childhood in a country that was segregated mm-hmm. where it would be like, well, people just naturally want to stay in their areas and stay with their races. It's just a natural inclination that they want to do that. It's not it's not mm. bad policy. It's just what people want to do. Mm. They just flock together. Slavery, you know? Aristotle yeah. had that Aristotle had that whole thing about natural slavery as an argument. You know, people are slaves by nature. Some people, they just want to be slaves. They can't help it. And then, of course, nature versus nurture. The whole boys will be boys thing. Mm. Boys will be boys. It's It's just nature. Which I thought was interesting because the doctor in this episode is obviously a different person he's john smith right and we don't know how much of john smith's personality is part of the doctor's personality it's very ambiguous he's his own separate entity so how much of him is what the 10th doctor would be if he was born a human instead of a time lord right and how much of it is just what was instilled in him by the tardis to make him fit in to this time period but the one that always stands out to me is how okay John Smith is at the start there to like let these boys train for war and use them as mm. like weapons to yeah. fight this threat. He's just like totally cool with it, which is so at odds with what we've seen the Doctor be like. Yeah, exactly. Up until now. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on here, and I think the episode does kind of treat very lightly how shit's gone down, right? So he's still in the TARDIS when he. Mm uses the thingy arc, I can't remember what it's called. Chameleon arc. Chameleon arc to transform himself to being a human. But then it's like, it completely changes your biology. But this separation of biology and personality mm. is like really interesting. But anyway, park that. Then it's like, well, he very much initially when he is John Smith and not remembering that he's actually a time lord, like you say, a product of his time. But I mean, the chameleon arc isn't going to make him to be a certain time. Like they haven't just happened to be there and he just mm. like chameleoned to the 1913 setting. Yeah. Basically, Martha is just told, hey, I need to hide. You've got to look after me. This is where we are. It'll take three months until the baddies die. Mm-hmm. And then you give me the watch. Mm. Yeah, I find it interesting how he has a lot of, like, in a lot of ways, he's very similar to the Doctor, like, to Ten, in the way mm-hmm. that, you know, he's got that kind of awkward, flustered way about him. He's very talkative, absent-minded. In a lot of ways, Ten's like that. But he also is not like the Doctor at all, in that he's, like, reserved and quite shy and... Kind of bum- a little bit... Bumbly. Grant in the 90s rom-com. Yeah. And then the casual racism. You know, mm-hmm. he's got that casual racism and classism towards Martha. Which is that product of the time thing. But yeah. 
How, and how much of it is actually John Smith inherently and how much of it is the fact that it's somebody realising that something's off? Yeah. Is it Martha that says something to him? I can't remember. Someone says something to him of like, do you have a feeling that just things aren't quite right? Yeah. Because he knows like on the, the on the periphery of his consciousness that things don't fit. Yeah. And Martha has to face this argument, like the kind of, it's not natural argument, the implication of it, right? Like yeah. on so many levels, the fact that she is a black woman and she's lower class and mm-hmm. they're like, you're inappropriate with, for lack of a better word, your master, yeah. right? And also when she says that, you know, she's trained to be a doctor, like that is just not, that's mm-hmm. not natural either, is it? Mm-hmm. The fact that a woman can be a doctor, let alone one of your colouring which I believe is what Joan says to her yeah it's pretty grim it's just I feel like the natural argument becomes quite fraught quite quickly yeah because what is natural I I feel like that is all constantly changing I know and like every now and again we'll have people or groups that'll kind of hark back to some level of we get back to our natural roots thing prime example keto yeah being like for millennia we ate a certain way like stone age man so now we're blah, blah, paleo blah. Yeah. and it's like really tenuous science mm. and like like the really tenuous science around like the eugenics and horrible yeah. things that are very racism motivated and mm-hmm. like, it's picking and choosing what parts of our nature nature or it's also rewriting know. a history a lot of mm. times I think especially with this kind of white supremacist lens like you know you see how a lot of right wing white supremacists lean into like the violence Viking culture, all these things where they've just picked, they pick and choose which part of history they try to absorb. And then, you know, there'll always be an outrage if the BBC does some sort of historical drama and there's a black person in it because they're like, there weren't black people in Europe. And I'm like, well, I hate to break it to you, but I don't know why you think history was just full of weird white people. I know, absolutely. Like, I remember horrible man, Lawrence Fox, the Mm. British actor, he like said some inane tweet about you know this is ridiculous of trying to rewrite history when the first world war film 1917 came out a couple of years ago beautiful film and there's a Sikh actor in it and wearing a turban Mm. and he's like oh this is you know PCness, wokeness gone mad and then they were like there are plenty of people of color and especially Sikh men fighting for England in the First World War. Yeah, like, you did invade India. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? So even like the, they don't know their actual history, these groups of people who just have an idea that in their mind that everything pre-now was like extremely yeah, absolutely. homogenous. And just complete ignorance about how, yeah, the, the history of their own country, the way that their own culture has developed over centuries, not just in the recent past, right? It's this real yeah. like rose-coloured glasses view of what they think life should be. And it's just, cherry picking which parts of history they want to engage with another element of the natural debate i think is interesting this is quite an ethical dilemma in this episode where it's like whether john should turn back and become the doctor because he's quite angry right he's like yeah you know this is my death i have a mm. future here i'm happy here i don't know who this doctor mm. person is and it's not something that ten ever considered when he no 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 he didn't think that far ahead no so you know and everything they're saying to john about ten he's like no <laughs> that sounds horrible no, i don't want that <laughs> Why would I want that? And he's been, you know, had all these gaps in his memory and he's had these dreams about this fantastical life, but he was happy for them to be just be dreams, right? He, yeah. he actually just wants this normal life and he sees this future with Joan and so this thing about what is natural here, like which is the true nature to... Yeah, and even those, I think those flashes of that future with Joan is like a possible future mm. or is it the actual future? Like, 
because the time lordiness is like weird it's messing with his sense of time and place like mm. have these things happened already and he's gone back to it or is that really a legitimate choice like could he have stayed there and had that exact future who knows yeah because we see with the boys the kid from love actually yeah is, george and reed yeah is you know having these visions of me and this horrible boy that's mean to me are gonna die and then you see that flash forward eventually that it gets there and it doesn't happen yeah so it's not that these things are absolutely set in stone like history futures can be rewritten mm. which is kind of interesting really non-fatalist approach yeah, which I feel is in line with Doctor Who's kind of ethos, yeah, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah, And a, a step away from the human nature concept, because you're not saying that these things are hardwired, that it's definitely yeah. going to happen because that's just human nature. It's like, no, we're all malleable and can learn and adapt and grow. Which I think is ultimately what Doctor Who is always trying to say. I feel like we have all these conversations and we've had them previously, like even with the Daleks and Manhattan episode, where it's like, you know, we've come to learn from humans because they're so good at war. It's just in human nature to be warring yeah. all the time, you know, and here we see them, you know, and we're on the eve of the First World War. Yeah. This whole idea, like, this is just what humans do. They just fight each other. And, you know, people have conversations about this all the time, being like, yeah, we're always going to fight. People are always going to fight. But I think Doctor Who is saying it that that's mm. not war what defines us as a species and this this idea that we won't change and we can't change isn't the message they want us to take away from no not at all and that maybe humanity is in that ability to say this is wrong Mm. we can choose another way and it's never too late to make that decision yeah like you don't have to commit to the bit just no no no. yeah in it in it in it gov um (laughs) no no racism (laughs) classism Hmm. Yeah. yeah, really interesting topic. I think, again, we I say this a lot, but we talk about the depth of these two episodes. I mm. think a lot of really interesting threads come out of it. Yeah. Like, memory is a big one. This idea of, like, how much of the Doctor is his experience. Yeah. Versus, like, because his bodily form is still there. Like, his DNA and whatever's been changed. Mm-hmm. But it still looks like him, whatever. And, like, the nature of the Doctor is that he regenerates. Like, yeah. this is just, like, he's in another form of regeneration. Mm-hmm. So who he is is his memories. Yeah, and that's an interesting thread to explore as well, right? Because once people start losing their memory through various health yeah. conditions or whatever, how much that changes their personality often. Mm-hmm. You know, people will talk about that. They completely, they feel like they're different people. Yeah. Um, yeah, for yeah, sure. And how much, we've spoken about it before in previous episodes, how much the Doctor is shaped by his trauma. Yeah. And here we see that trauma removed from him. So that, again, is that question of, like, is this who he is? Yeah. Without his trauma, is John Smith the version of him that he could be if he didn't go through all these horrible things? Which is a, a far more sweet, romantic, calmer... Mm, homebody. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And I mean, and then he basically does the one thing that Ten could never do, which is fall in love with an ordinary mm. human and have a happy life, because... Ten is an immortal being, essentially. Yeah. So he can never do that, right? And there's a lot of other stuff, like, in his way, it seems, too, right? Like, he just gets in his own head about everything, or or doesn't. Like, should be doing a lot more processing. Even with becoming human. Yeah. Like, I know he was under, like, they were about to get got by the family the first time, so he was like, I'm using the chameleon arc, I've never used it before, like, it's gonna be horrible, but this is our only option. But again, he makes this massive decision very quickly, and Martha is fucking in the shit. Yeah. She has to, A, witness the trauma of him transforming his biology, which looked horrible. Yeah. Then it's all on her to keep them safe. Yeah. And hope that the baddies don't find them. Yeah. For three months. Yeah. 
1913, where she is very much in acute danger for being who she is. Yeah, she really gets uh, thrown into the deep end here, I think. And it's incredibly unfair. Like, I always come back to that bit where he says, you know, don't let me leave you behind in the video message that he leaves. It's like, Mm. but she has no control over whether you who view her as a complete stranger. Well, not a complete stranger, but, you know, this tenuous grip that this relationship has. Yeah. You know, and she has to work so hard to, like, stay in his orbit, keep an eye on him, do all these things. And at the same time, everyone else is kind of getting in his head about, like, this is inappropriate, she shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, she needs to know her station. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My favourite bit is when... Joan is like you should be knocking and she's like oh sorry and she like very sarcastically <laughs> knocks <laughs> runs back yeah. sarcastically knocks runs back again yeah and she literally has to wait on him like she has to be a servant to him in order to make this happen which is so horrible and she's so isolated in this right decades out of her time I know and then that's why I'm like because it didn't look like an instantaneous process right that he was changing to be human so could he have not picked somewhere where it's a bit nicer uh, but I, you know whatever this is like it's interesting to the plot to be in 1913 right because we do the alternate futuristic set alternate Cardiff or London in modern day yeah alternate period set and yeah. this is like very period set yeah I mean it's it's interesting for Martha as well because we she really has to rein it in because she has to fit they have to be under the radar they can't cause a scene yeah. whatever whatever so as soon as she is like fuck it the family's here she just drops that facade straight away and she yeah. just becomes like a normal outgoing self just trying to get yeah. shit done despite the doctor well John Smith actively trying to impede her in yeah. that and being like your maid's gone mad effectively yeah let's do some random observations excellent yeah well I love these episodes so I'm glad yeah, you enjoyed cool. it as well awesome. like I think this is probably my favourite two-parter of the David mm. Tennant era. I've always mm. really loved these episodes. Also, when I started watching Game of Thrones, I'm like, ah, it's creepy Doctor Who guy. It's Viserys Targaryen, everyone. So maybe I missed this the first time around because I never remembered seeing him in this, in Who. But yeah, I was like, oh, it's Melted Golden Crown. Horrible Viserys. He's so creepy in this. The way he tilts his head. He's so creepy. And he doesn't blink. He doesn't. No, it's fucking amazing. I I was wondering. So this was like 2007. Yeah. And so Game of Thrones came out in 2011. And I think they cast them like maybe 2009. And then they filmed 2010. Who knows? Around that time. Mm. So this was probably a big thing of him being like people seeing him in this. Yeah. And being like, oh, you know, the casting people. And being like, well, actually, yeah, no, he's, he's got creepy, sinister range. Yeah. Which is exactly what Viserys was, right? Yeah. Like, he was also aggressive and horrible. But yeah. Also, the poor bullying of a kid from Love Actually slash George and Reed, also from Game of Thrones. Also, isn't he been... Is he from Love... He is in Love Actually, right? We didn't make that up. No, he is. Is he in Game of Thrones? I'm pretty sure, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, he's definitely... He's Liam Neeson's son. He's the... He's the little boy. And every year around Christmas when the film comes out again, everyone on the internet is like, yearly reminder that in Love Actually, the little kid on the drums and Kira Knightley were only five years apart in age. <laughs> but he's like, he looks like he's six. And she looks like she's 25, but they were actually like 13 and 18. But I mean, that is just nature. Yeah. <laughs> that he looks... Boys the... age as well. Like. Well, yeah. And in that, he must have been... When did Love actually come out? 2003? This was 2007, maybe. He's like three. He's probably like 16. Mm. 17 in this and he looks like he's 12 it's sad that they bully him I know it's really sad it does feel a bit appropriate for one the time and two the place I think a lot of that probably happened I think a lot of that's still happening in weird all boys English posho schools very ritual based yeah 
There are not normal people. And also, the kid is odd too, on top of that, because he's having all these visions. I love that you said that, because my note says, I say, hello, posh boys doing posh boy things, is what I wrote. Literally. Why are you just calling out into a field looking for a space? Like, oh no, you don't know the spaceship is there. I say, hello? If you go into the spaceship. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing, Viserys? He looks, to me, he's very close to the unbelievable age of playing a teenager Mm. but like whatever I think there's a lot of creepy imagery in in these episodes the creepy scarecrows (gasps) no I wrote them down they're horrible I really like the the actors that did them yeah like they get that like disjointed limb look Yeah, it's like zombies but broken like the broken zombie body language yep they're very convincing and then we have creepy girl with balloon so lots of creepiness gone wrong yeah I'm glad I watched this one with my partner because I would have been scared Yeah. The war stuff is also very sad. Yeah, it's really horrible. I think on so many levels, just seeing seeing it happen, like these boys be trained in shooting and the kind of attitude around that and then knowing what they don't know, Mm. or very few of them know that the war is coming and absolutely destroyed a population of young men. Well, that's the other tragedy of it, right? Like the way that they don't know all these things, but we know as an audience that that it was a horrible, horrible Like actually happened. Like that actually happened. It's not even like a horrid story. And, you know, they went into it, the war to end all wars. And we know that's not even true. So that sacrifice is so pointless. Yeah. And I think when Viserys says to the, the Viserys, when Viserys says this to the headmaster, he goes, do you think they will thank the man who told them it was glorious? Mm. He is 100% correct. Like, yeah. yeah, he's the bad guy in this, but that whole speech he does about war is on point. I personally really struggle with war stuff. I don't normally watch it. I don't yeah. like it. I have family who served in the military and were very traumatized by it so i just have a very anti-war (laughs) anti-military stance but yeah i just think it's horrible and you know there we see the flash forward their children dying in the mud which is 100 percent what happened yeah yeah it's tough i think this episode is kind of heavy in a lot of ways now and we talk about this all the time that like doctor who does this thing of presenting the bleak as comedy yeah but in this it kind of just presents the bleak as bleak yeah, and both on that level, but also on like a personal level, like when John Smith says, you know, am I not enough? Mm. And he, David Tennant, fuck, cracking yeah, in this. Really the amazing. emotional range that he gets out of it. And he's like, why can't I say? Like the the pain is so visceral in that moment mm. that someone just not understanding why this is happening to them. And also it does go from zero to a hundred though, when they're like, who do you want to save? Your friend or your lover? I'm like, well, they've kissed once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. But yeah. On talking about Nurse Joan, at the very end, we see this flash forward that the young boy, mm. Love Actually Boy survives and lives a long life. But we don't know what happens to the nurse. Like no. she's lost two men now. Yeah. It's also interesting the way that, you know, we've seen this a couple of times with the DeRussell T. Davies series where they talk about the Doctor. There's these little monologues about the Doctor Mm. like he's a mythological figure almost, right? So Mm. we've got both Latimer doing it, Love Actually Boy talking about how he's ancient and forever, right? It's actually really, it's a lovely little bit. But I think in a lot of ways, a lot of the things the Doctor does in this is he's not a hero. He's just like often just fighting to survive and like doing the things he needs to do but he's often not making good choices and it's interesting to have that juxtaposed by things like you know madame de pompadour being like the doctor's worth the monsters or you know he's glorious or he's wonderful and whatever also this framing that the reason the doctor ran from the family is because he didn't want to like you know son of mine says he was being kind yeah because then he doles out this punishment that is sadistic yeah like colossally because yeah you know we wanted to live forever so the doctor made sure we did fine he didn't need to do that no and not just living forever suffering yeah alone 
with no respite. That's literally sadistic. Yeah. And he does it with no, seemingly no qualms. Like, I never thought it was out of line because it was such an emotionally challenging, fraught episode. You felt like the Doctor really suffered. So in a way, you're kind of, it feels like vindication that they're Mm. getting this comeuppance because they were being horrible and hunting people for sport, right? And doing all these horrible things. But when you think about it, that scene of the Doctor walking away from the scarecrow where he's left yep. the Sirius and the scarecrow. And he's just so stony-faced about it. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing here? Is it because are you doing this for the lost John that you don't even want to turn into? You know, John yeah. asks him, will you turn back? And he says no. Is that why you're doing it? Because of this repercussions that it has on this innocent woman who you don't remember. You, don't, you didn't experience that. Someone else, another version mm-hmm. of you experienced it. So where is this retribution coming from? I know, and it feels... It feels cold-blooded yeah it feels like i mean it's hard to say this because it's heavily implied that the family have done truly awful things yeah but it feels disproportionate Mm. and it feels like it comes to the doctor relatively easily but then he's internalizing a fuck ton of trauma as we know yeah so who the fuck knows what cost this is actually having on him but the fact that he could so easily just go there yeah he's becoming that which he hates yeah you've, mm. you've caught them you've detained them you've stopped them doing the horrible murdering it as long w- yeah. as you keep them detained or kill them swiftly they're not doing the horrible murdering and it's interesting because there's always this thing about you know not wanting to be violent not carrying a gun not killing yeah. people but this is worse yeah it's this worse. is worse it's worse it's like the Batman thing just kill them why are you yeah. putting them in Arkham Asylum where they yeah. can come up with more ludicrous well that's plots? it too and you're giving them the chance to escape theoretically yeah you know if they've been put in there they can be put out of there right i don't know yeah it's not doesn't endear me to the doctor in any way whatsoever i feel like i definitely had a different reaction to it this time when i was watching it i think in the past i was like yeah they they deserve it they've done horrible things this is this is fine they Mm. deserve this behavior whereas now watching it with us taking the time on these things and spending more time really interrogating the doctor's actions i feel a bit like this feels like it's costing you something it doesn't need to cost you you know like i don't know that's interesting too because maybe you being 10 years older as well yeah well maybe i was just more cold-hearted when i was a young I, I, i feel like I've got more tolerant as I've got older Mm. which lol if you know me because I'm not super tolerant now but (laughs) I used to be a fucking like Mm. ruthless no I get what you're saying I definitely get more and more left wing and radical as I get older which is the opposite of what's supposed to happen but no next step anarchy that's what's happening with our generation is because we don't have assets yeah like you'll smile the dragon on your money pile if you've got shit and so that you want to protect that shit with good taxes and you know, all that stuff that's typically very conservatively, economically righty. We don't have that stuff, you know, in the same scale. Like so we don't we're, have, yeah. We're not going to have a paid off mortgage when we're 50 and a second house for and the holidays. three boats. And yeah, right. So yeah, we're like, actually, we should be making it more sustainable for us to live as a community and have these safety nets and mm. healthcare and this, that and the other thing because... I will need the state to look after me. <laughs> Can we up the pension? Because yeah. look, my retirement fund's not looking good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and who's fault is that largely capitalism society society way gesticulates at everything all of this yeah you pointed at all of it yeah. <laughs> well okay on that note did I you mean, have... Did I have i might have a couple more random oh yeah you go, um go, go, go. just sad Mm. like really sad I, I think it's kind of an old school there's some old school sci-fi throwbacks here which is like fitting in the period setting but also just like the fact that it's a UFO that comes down and it's like that green light <laughs> yeah I'm like oh this is kind of like old school sci-fi X-Files vibes yeah exactly and then the, the family are body snatchers mm. that's cool too I mm. thought yeah, and I just, a really pacey app. I thought the pace was good. I think we had this crazy chaotic start. Mm. I started playing 
human nature and then both me and my partner were like have we missed an episode like have I skipped one because it felt like it started yeah, right in the middle right, of the story yeah. and then you stick with it and you realise like this is just ash it's going down mm. yeah but that sense of true peril not just in a oh you know mm. like it's a baddie run away kind of which Doctor Who sometimes is a little bit like plastic men yeah. melting into a bin it becomes a little bit pastiche yeah but this felt like actual no they're in danger also I think because they took the Doctor out of play right he is not a player mm. in this it's all on Martha to keep him safe and he's like actively not helping. I think that really ups the peril as well. Oh and great we can't probably move on without mentioning Martha in love with the doctor. Yeah. Which is rife in this app. She yeah. even she discloses her feelings to him in his John Smith form hoping he won't remember mm. and then it's kind of implied that he does. Yeah. But at the very end when they're by the TARDIS and they're both like let's you know forget about that. Yeah. It's horrible because she also watches him fall in love with someone else right yeah. and then she and goes. she's gutted. Yeah. Yeah, and she goes, you know, you didn't tell me what to do. You didn't leave me instructions for this. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, well, you didn't want to fall in love with a human. You just didn't want to fall in love with me. Me, yeah. But also, know when maybe someone's just not that into you. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, time to move on, right? And maybe that's, you know, she's young. She deals very well in a crisis and she is rolling with this lifestyle. And I think it's easy to think that she's mature for her age or whatever. But she's still meant to be like, what, 21? Like yeah, if she's a three max, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's a med student, like, yeah, 22, 23, maybe 24. Yeah. But she's Which just young. reminded me that the doctor then asks, when he's back in his doctor form, asks Nurse Joan to travel with him. I'm like, have oh, you yeah, even yeah. thought about Martha in this equation? No, I know. God. Or just, like, take a second for how other people's feelings. Joan has witnessed you in your body with someone else in it and you're just like oh maybe you would find it hard to be around the same shaped person mm. no just like but it'd be cool for me to have you along because I think maybe you're cool so all about me yeah oh also just remembered all those boys crying when they think they're killing people I know because then you just get this flash that they're not all like these like bullshy little masculine horrible mm. toxic men children they're actually just little boys who are scared yeah and then they have that moment where like oh so we didn't actually murder anyone no oh and it's my like, god oh phew give it a year because they're all scarecrows stuffed with straw magically moving Ugh. yeah I know one thing mm. how do they move that TARDIS at the end the family turn up with it they've got it out of the barn somehow <laughs> like I didn't see it on like a trolley they have a little dolly yeah like a little thing like a trun what are they called like yeah like a moving hand trolleys yeah. hand trucks they got it from Ikea yeah. and they're just like <laughs> magic can you like push it on its side and then like eight of you could carry it long ways <laughs> probably but does it weigh as much as what's in it you should think it would be quite heavy but maybe it's time lord magic and it's just yeah. it doesn't weigh anything <laughs> Maybe it can hover like the Daleks. Oh, but then the TARDIS wouldn't cooperate, surely. No, you wouldn't think so. I'm just going to go it with... It should be invisible. Why is it not invisible? Well, it's got a broken... It's broken. So it's not supposed uh, to look like a police box. It's supposed to blend into... Wherever it is. Oh. Yeah, but it's broken. So it just always looks like a police box. Oh, lol. Yeah. <laughs> I think I did know that, but I'd chosen to forget. Which I believe is called a chameleon circuit. Oh. Which ties into the chameleon the arc. Yeah. Mm. Stand that moment. What did you have? I actually really love the ending of this. Well, not ending, but the moment when the family get their showdown with the doctor. So they think John Smith has come to them. Yeah. Ten is being John Smith. And he's like bumbling around. He's <laughs> tripling. He's hitting all the buttons. And they're all just standing there watching him being like, oh, what is happening? Who is this idiot? Yeah. Yeah. And then he says, you know, you shouldn't have let me press all those buttons. Which I just think is a, it's a real character moment for Ten. And 
the way that this is what he does. He always does press the buttons. He yeah. always goes in and he like talks a big game and he acts like a, yeah. a fool. But he lands the big moments when it matters and he blows up their ship. And without yeah. their ship, they're fucked, right? Yeah, like yeah, they yeah. can't go anywhere. They don't have anything going for them. And then he turns really cold as we've discussed. But yeah, I love that moment when he's like, you shouldn't have let me press all that buttons. Because yeah. that switch from bumbling, vulnerable John Smith into 10. Yeah. It's just great. Phenomenal acting from David Tennant. Yeah, I totally agree. I have that as one of mine. Just great acting all around. Yeah. Yeah, I really love that moment too. I think that you're like, oh, is something going to happen? But no, he seems to be John Smith. And the family are so dismissive of Mm. this human form. And because they sniff him apparently and there's misdirection around that. So yeah, I think that it it shows like the power of underestimating humans is maybe a subtext as well of Mm. like, I mean, yeah, he's not a human, but they're underestimating what he could do. Don't assume you've got it in the bag, right? Before you do. Yeah. The arrogance of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. I think everyone was doing a great job. The nurse showing really, she's gone through a lot of shit as well. She's a brilliant actor. The period setting was really cool. Mm. I think this worked. Sometimes I'm a bit like, like the Queen Victoria one. Yeah. (laughs) It just felt like, yeah, like I said, there was a lot of depth to that in this episode Mm -hmm. and it didn't feel like oh we need to make it more interesting let's set it in Shakespearean times it felt like they were saying a lot with the plot around the setting not just being like this is a storyline and it's set in this time yeah it feels organic yeah absolutely and just mysterious as the baddie yeah it was really good he is really good I think yeah he does a great job Harry Lloyd Harry Lloyd Harry Lloyd yeah mysterious Always oh, gonna be serious. Within like not even a full season. No, because he um, gets a crown of gold yeah, from 10, Jason Momoa. Twelve years ago, Jason Momoa. Before we knew Jason Momoa, we didn't even speak. Carl Drogo, no, which is good. He's got better as an actor since. <laughs> Based on what? Aquaman? Okay, no, okay, yeah, true. Um, <laughs> no shade. No, we no. love you, Jason. Yeah, like, I just, beautiful man. He's a beautiful man. But was yeah. maybe cast as Carl Drogo based on aesthetics mm. rather than core acting attributes. <laughs> okay. Don't come at me, all you Momoa stands. He's in the new Fast and Furious, so you'll get to Whoop! that yeah. eventually on your marathon Fast and Furious rewatch. Committed to a project yeah. of watching all the Fast and Furious. <laughs> Currently two in the bag, hoping this long weekend to knock off three and four. So three for me is the end of the knit ones, and then four starts the new wave of like the reboot. Three is Tokyo Drift. Yeah, Tokyo Drift. <laughs> so excited <laughs> where there's like basically none of that the OGs in it no and it's got that I think Vin Diesel turns mm. up at the end but there's like a yokel American kid who everybody's basically just calling like what is it gaijin when you're like a foreigner just it's en- like a enjoy that accent oh god <laughs> okay anyway that's unrelated <laughs> cool anything else no mate I think that's it do you want to round us up yeah awesome so next time we'll be watching episode 10 of season 3 blink <laughs> that is yeah scary no, times I'm, doing, no, I'm just saying I'm actually gonna fucking shit my pants <laughs> I remember the stone angels I don't remember anything that happens I just remember being so scared and watching through my hands I had to walk I was in London when I watched it with a friend and I had to walk back to my hotel and it was just down the street with all these stone gargoyles oh god no oh god it was like the middle of the night and I'm like this is how I die yeah anyway so we can I'm never going into like an English style cemetery ever again these episodes ruined it horrible great well so we look forward to that Um, (laughs) you can let us know your thoughts by emailing own at gmail.com or find us on twitter and instagram you can check out the show notes for any links and yeah we'll see you next time bye bye have a great week (laughs) 